Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Food that's good for the environment, good for the people who eat it, and good for the people who grow it. They pick it so it's beautiful when it comes to market, and you get to enjoy that. Local businesses is the, the first place that we can directly support somebody. You've got to believe in what you do, and if you stick to that, then you're getting there anyway. G'day, welcome to another Quicksand Food Podcast. My name's Stefan Postuma. Today, my guest is Andy Burns. Andy is one of the owners and the lead chef for Burnsbury Hospitality, a hospitality group in Wollongong. They have Babyface Kitchen restaurant. They have Son of a Gun Cafe at the Sippers Co-op, and they have the Two Smoking Barrels food truck. In this podcast, I talk to Andy about their restaurant, Babyface, which is one of the top restaurants in Wollongong, serving modern Australian food using an array of local and international ingredients with a focus on highlighting the characters of really, really, really good produce. We get into some interesting territory in this conversation. We talk about their wines, about how they developed the restaurant and how it's changed from when they opened a bit over a year ago. I really enjoyed talking to Andy, so I hope that you enjoy this chat with Andy Burns from Babyface Kitchen in Wollongong. Let's start. Let's start here. Yep. How long have you been open for? Um, March last year. So yeah, we're only what, 50, 16 months old. Right. So not yeah, pretty young as far yeah. as restaurants go. Yeah. Cool. Um, like, what was the idea at the start? Why? Why this type of cuisine? Why this type of venue? Why? You know. Obviously, you've got to think about the market. Why do you think that there was a market for it? All that sort of thing. Let's talk. Um, we, we opened, I guess I'll say we opened with the menu I thought we had to open with. Mm-hmm. And now the food's getting, the food and the wine are getting more towards what we really want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you really only see, it, it started with basically, oh, this is what, this is the way we like to eat. That's why everything's shared dining. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we like to drink, that's why a lot of the wine's natural or minimal intervention wine. Yeah. Um, and some good beers as well, but it was it was mainly based around what we like to eat and how we like to do it. That's why I've got a bar. I love sitting at the bar when I go out. Me too. Um, if there's just you know, like if it was just you and I having a beer and some some like quick to eat, or even like we do a whole menu at the bar. So um, you know, it's spacious, seats are comfy, but uh, it, it was all based around yeah how we like to eat mm. and drink. Yeah. yeah. So what, like, so what's the difference between the menu you opened with and, and how it's transformed into what it is now? Um, it was a lot simpler when we opened. Right. So um, a lot for people that don't know, it's modern Japanese. Is that uh, how you describe it? Or? We we use more. It's more modern Australian now with mm-hmm. a raw menu. Like yeah. So okay. the only thing we do that's probably really Japanese, like more so traditional, is the sashimi plate. And outside of that, it's we use more. The rest of that is all Australian ingredients. Yep. A lot of native stuff yep. um, that we use, and but we d- we do preserve a lot of things and ferment like in using Japanese techniques. Yeah, um, we use a lot of Korean ingredients now mm-hmm. as well from a, a supplier called um, Table One Eight One. Paul and Liddell they import high end Korean stuff, cool. um, and they're like amazing soys and yeah. There's some amazing ingredients out there, like if you know where to look. Korea's... Korean stuff is insane. The Korean Peninsula, I think it's from memory, um, 
from what Paul said, I think it's about 400, I think about 450 kilometres, but the amount of stuff that comes from there, the seaweeds, like we get black garlic from there, their, their garlic's known as some of the best in the world. Is black garlic, is their black garlic the same as what you'd like the Australian grown black garlic? It's the like same process, yeah, it's process. a Maillard, it's a reaction, it's yeah, the yeah, same yeah. reaction that basically when meat yeah. gets There's a browned. producer in, yeah. in Breadbow that does it. Okay, that okay. we've got in this book. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah well, I, the Korean stuff we get, we blind tasted three different ones, and yeah. the Korean stuff that we got, it's $115 it's, it's a kilo, gosh, but it's... It's crazy, though. Yeah. It's, um, it's delicious. I always thought it tastes like ketchup manis. It's, it's, they're all, they're all <laughs> unique, like, but, but yeah, it's amazing how garlic, like when, you know, this, they use this reaction, it can become so subtle and it mm. enhances the sweetness and, yeah. And if you're using good produce to start with, I guess it's even going to be even better, obviously. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to the difference between the opening menu and, and, and what it's evolved into, like, yep. how did the evolution take place? Like, did that happen Slowly. as a result of... <laughs> You, you cooking what you want to cook or what what customers have demanded or what you saw a market for like it was, it, it was a bit of both it was it was mainly trying to slowly and I feel like this is something that you have to do in Wollongong with I guess our demographic and you know it, it's so we've got you know everyone from a uni, uni crowd to um, like younger couples like my age sort of you know that just both work and have no kids and you know want to go out and then you've got the older demographic as well so you've got to try and you know you mm. want you want bums on seats so you know like it, that's the that's the aim of the game but um it was mainly it developed with you know as, as your food develops as a chef as well and what you know our relationships with our suppliers as well mm-hmm. i mean they're mainly from Sydney. Like we use our meats, all fixed meats, so mm. they don't deliver down here. So we pay, like I pay a cool courier to pick up from a few different places every week in yeah, right. Sydney. So we pay someone to bring that yeah. stuff down here. Yeah. Yeah, so it adds costs um, that aren't really reflected on our menu into our into our week. But it's the produce we we want to use. We, exactly. We, we can't. We use our local butcher for other venues um, because he can get what we want for those sure. venues, and we want to use local for that. But um. These guys have access to producers and cuts that you just can't get yep. anywhere else. Um, so we're lucky enough to be able to get those, but a lot of it's allocation. So the menu has changed through, you know, my sort of curiosity in the different cuts as well as what we have access to at the time. Yeah. The seasons of the seafood and everything. Yeah. Um, so we're lucky. We've got some. We've got some pretty amazing suppliers. Yeah. I think, like, everyone talks about using optimum quality produce and stuff on their menus and yep. things but I think that it's really apparent with you guys because like it's it, obviously the way that you cook is to let that produce just sort of do the talking that's, that's the idea exactly yeah. and and yeah. I think also like when you look at your social media your Instagram or whatever you've got just as many pictures of produce as you do of yep. y- your dishes yeah. which, I, which yeah. I always like to see yeah. because the, the when when chefs are posting pictures of the produce that they use, they've got uh, utmost confidence in it, yeah. and they they love it enough to put it out there. Yeah. Whereas there's there's a lot of venues out there that would never post a photo of any of their produce because there's nothing unique or special about it. Well, we like it's that, that's bang on, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's exactly why we have like all the confidence in the world in, in a what we're getting in, but also we want people to we don't want to put every sort of everything we're doing in a picture and say this is exactly what we're doing with it's like here are these amazing sort of bugs we've got access to this week or these hand dyed scallops come in and taste what we're doing with yeah. it um, so it leaves a bit of, a bit of mystery yeah. there as well well you probably don't even know what you're doing with it sometimes, no, sometimes as well no, no sometimes we do sometimes we you know it comes in and we might do three things with it yeah. and then we'll either put it on a menu or we'll just use it in the um, like in the banquet style menus that we do yeah. is it like having a small menu that that changes frequently is that something that you that you always intended to do with, with this venue was it like I want to keep it like four 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 basically or whatever like pretty short and sharp and just change it solely depending on what what's available yeah to you. pretty much yeah because that's that yeah. like there's a there's a there's a sort of a tough hill sometimes in that some places can only change their menu with every season yeah and they demand volume to be able to, you know, 
put it on that menu for the whole season and yeah. stuff. But you see more and more and more now places that just have no structure to their menu changes. It, yeah. It's purely based on... Oh, we've got zero structure to it. Yeah. I, do, I mean, the seasons, like... I think everyone likes to say their menus are seasonal and produce-driven, and but there's, like... I don't know how many places sort of really are down when you when it comes down to it. Like, yeah, like so it's usually years. pretty high-end places that, that yeah. truly are. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we've got access to, like... So yeah, so many cool things. As I was saying, yeah. like, there's things that um, you know you might only be able to get fresh for like I've got a bag of lily pillies in there, yeah. but you can only get fresh for like maybe three months of the year. Yeah, um, and then you know you can preserve them. It's make vinegar. Like there's all sorts of things you can do with them, and that all sort of goes back to people eating through necessity, mm. which I sort of think's a good way to look at it. Mm. Um, fermenting, pickling. You know, people used to grow things and then ferment and pickle for the winter mm. because that's all they kind of had to that's eat. That's what you have to do, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't really work like that nowadays. You can just go to the supermarket and kind of get whatever you want. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, our goal here is to, to give you a product, um, I guess, and an experience, like, obviously, that you can't have at home mm. or at another restaurant, you know. Mm. Those um, Kangaroo Island scallops are something that's mm. stood out to me. They just look insane. <laughs> yeah, it's not like there's a few places using them in uh, Sydney at the moment. I'm not sure anyone's got them down here. Up in Barrel, um, there's, um, there's a, player, a guy that I know is using them. Yep, yeah. yep. They've got some... Um, it's it's one guy that has a licence to dive for them. Yeah, and they're all wild, though. Yeah, yeah. They're, and they're, they're beautiful. They come in live. Like, we shuck them. You're not allowed to use a rake or, like, a vacuum, so you're not disturbing the, the seafloor, yeah. um, which a lot of the... There's a couple of different species in Australia um, like that now, and which is it's really good because you know it, it does make them sustainable, yeah. and and it is a product that there's a limit on. And we can keep using and, and the season. I think we can get them till November or December, and then it stops for a little while and starts up again. Yeah. So you, you know they're they're so expensive. Talking about though. yeah, exactly <laughs> unique products though. There's like one person in Australia who's able yeah. to get these, yeah. Yeah. and then. It's his and only his scallops that you see on menus like yours and yeah. places up in Sydney and stuff like mm. that. And that's, I don't know, I love that sort of, I don't know, I see, I see chefs' eyes light up when, when, oh, when produce yeah. like that yeah. comes, comes that's in. It's amazing, yeah. But Our, that's the sort yeah. of thing that you need to have a menu like yours to be able to put on yep. that you can change all the time. Yep. Or else you do, like, you, you can't, you're not going to know if what's available to you yeah. that, that far out, you know, if it's exactly. that sort of product. So. If, yeah, well, we just get told by... Um, yeah, we just get told by suppliers and they um, basically have, oh, you know, days that we can get it or a limit on what we can get and we just let them know. And, but, you know, our challenge too is to make sure that it, is, it's, it can be quite hard sometimes like letting a customer know why they're paying so much for a product mm-hmm. you, without going too much into it. Yeah. So you have to sort of have a description on your How menu. much does one of those scallops cost you? They're $37 a dozen wholesale. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like that's, that's crazy expensive yeah, exactly. for a wholesale um, scallop. Considering yeah. the amount of actual meat that's on there, like oh, at the end of it as well. Scallop, yeah. Yeah, like. yeah, you know, you've got it. And then all our costs obviously come into it. So we've got to then charge X amount per scallop. And so it's, that's challenging. How do you, how, how do you, how do you try to educate people? Like, I guess, yeah, how do you try to do that? By educating our front of house guys right and we're pretty lucky they've all got a genuine interest in what we're serving that's cool so well i mean we have a we have a briefing before service if there's anything new they'll get um notes and a, a chat from me mm-hmm. on it and like we're we're lucky like if i mess like email call one of our suppliers and say um you know, I, I, can I get some info for our guys? Like, they'll send it straight through to me. Awesome. And I can print it and, and hand it to them. That's great. And it's, and it's But it really is up to them. If a question's asked, to be able to answer it. Yeah. Like, I can't come out of the kitchen and... Of course. ...in the middle of service and talk to everyone. And yeah. it'd be nice. It'd be nice. Um, yeah. So, that means, I guess you've got to, like... You see in a few places, or in, in places that I've worked in the past, there's a kind of a division between front and back of house, in a sense... And when, when that education needs to be transferred from supplier to you to your front of house to the customer, 
you've got to be working really well together as a team and putting a good strong team together yeah definitely and I think that I think that's kind of a I mean I've seen that division as well but it definitely doesn't exist here Mm. or or we wouldn't function Mm. as well as we did we're we're a team and I need these guys out here to be able to I guess sell my food to the customers and you know if they're if there's a division between us, they're, not, they're just not going to do it as yeah. well. So they're constantly having a taste of anything new we get in. And, um, and they, they all a, come and dine here as well. Yeah, that's, so. a, that's also a way that you build your, your front of house team's investment in, in, the, in what they do as well. Like, mm. like educating them, giving them tastings and getting them genuinely enthusiastic about yep. what they're serving people. Yep. Because that's where... That's where the experience will translate to a customer because yeah. if, if, if you just say email everyone five dot points on the new stuff that's in that week and Steam they have a quick it. read of it <laughs> and whatever, like, yeah. you know, like it's got to be done on a more sort of personable level in order for it to transfer. So well, that's cool. A hundred percent. Like if, if our guys don't have that, that interest and that investment in what we're doing, they can't work here. Like yeah. it's not like... It's not like sort of, you know, being in a, a cafe or a more simple place, like where to, for me to go through our menu with a new staff member takes half an hour or 40 minutes mm. just to go through the dishes with them and they still will have, like, have no idea what I'm talking yeah, yeah, yeah. about. So it, it takes time. There has to be an investment. Yeah. 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 It's in other kitchens as well. Like, I've seen the same thing happen, but sometimes... The, the briefings and that staff education just because the kitchen's so busy and the, and the, and the place gets so busy it kind of falls by the wayside yeah. like it might happen at, after opening a new place or whatever for yeah. a while and it's, it's an ideal that people have but it's something that it's important to see the significance and importance of it and to make, to, for it to remain consistent yeah. like because you know if you if you're an hour away from service, it's hard. sometimes the yeah. last thing you want to do is, is stand around for 15 minutes and talk about <laughs> like the menu, like you've yeah. got bloody work to yeah. do. So it's hard. You know, I'm <coughs> I'm lucky in there. We've we've got like our guys. Um, our guys are great, and you know they're. I mean, it's not always a perfect situation, but but they're ready to go. You know, we've got a, a week through structured. It has to be mm. on a Saturday night. We can be. You know, you. We have to be ready at five thirty, not six o'clock. Yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> have to be ready at um, you know, five thirty, not six, and set up so you know I have an opportunity to come out here and talk to you know, our, and our restaurant manager um, David is amazing. He's worked in, I mean, the last place he was before he was Attica in Melbourne. Right. So he's worked in some amazing places. Yeah. And he's <laughs> he's a bit older than me, like only a couple of years, but we've been doing it doing this for about the same amount of time. So. Mm. When you've got people like that around you, um, it a drives you, but b it keeps the consistency in, mm. in, like you know, a briefing or something as simple as that that really forwards the restaurant. Cool. Mm. Um, we kind of got away from what we were talking about at the beginning about how you were sort of developing your menu for yep. one one thing that we touched on but didn't really get into was developing it for the the market in Wollongong. So, like, I guess for a long time, up until the last few years. Wollongong's been a bit lean in terms of its really high quality dining. Yep. And maybe, you know, maybe in in other areas of the industry as well, like, you know, you talk about bars and cocktails and all that sort of thing as well. Um, yeah, like, how did you identify that Wollongong sort of, this, this, that Babyface has a place in the market, like here, and there's people that are demanding this sort of thing? Like, By just doing it just having a go just having a go yeah really it's been we've had and we have had mixed responses we've got people that absolutely love it and thank us and say keep doing what you're doing and um we've got actually other like restaurants you know in the area we had a couple in on sunday night that own a restaurant and they um they kind of said thank you because you guys like do all the hard work and then we you know then sort of figure out what we can and can't do yeah not that we're the only place doing that in Wollongong, but um it's, it is hard because yeah. we have mixed reactions to our wine um, yeah. and, and the food as well. Yeah. Let's and talk about the, the wine. It. People don't, aren't necessarily familiar with natural wine. It's something, that, it's something that's becoming more popular now, but yeah. maybe in Sydney and Melbourne they have been for a while, but yeah. maybe here not so much. Do you want to just tell us what it is? What's the difference? 
minimal interventions probably yeah the, the best way because it's basically putting that those grapes you know in their natural form in a bottle yeah they do still use some still use sulfites um, on bottling but a lot of a lot of the wines I mean our, our wine list changes probably as much, even more frequently than our menu does mm-hmm. because of what's available to us because these these guys aren't massive producers but the, the main difference is is like there is nothing else in that bottle except the, the grape itself yeah. and that's the idea how does that translate into flavor like how would you describe the difference massive yeah yeah, huge. yeah i mean you can still put your finger on like you know what it is like what the grapes are but a lot of i mean a lot of the producers now are using like it's been a massive education for me david's david is amazing with the wines he knows a lot more about it than i do um but for for jen and myself it's been a massive education but it is genuinely now all i drink if i have the opportunity to. yeah right yeah they're just so much more interesting and they are they're great with food yeah you know not that conventional wine doesn't have its place it's been you know being made that way for a long time for a reason but these are to, to me are so much more interesting like especially the white grapes and orange wines like yeah those skin contact wines they're doing now are just out of this world hey yeah there's, a, there's a big so world out there and um yeah it just it seems like well i don't know for me it's something that i've only learned about in the last probably year yep you yep. know um and so what you rely on david to try to educate the customers about like the differences yeah it's hard because <coughs> say you know someone asks for we've got a skin contact riesling up there the salio um and someone asks for a riesling and you pour it out in the glass and it's orange yeah. you know their reactions um are mixed but we we genuinely believe back you know back to what um, the same with the winers, with the food, and with, our, with the way our menus developed and changed, and the way the restaurants changed, and I feel gotten far better. Um, it's, it's we want people to come in here with an open mind and, and be ready to be educated, not come in here with expectations of what they think it should be, and just come in and like let us let us feed you and educate you on, on what you you know can drink with mm. the food and. Um, that is the way to get the best experience out of a place like this. Mm. But yeah, the wines for me are, are so much, they're so much fun. And the producers, we've got like such a, some of them have distributors, some don't. Um, a lot more of them are sort of, you know, getting towards like having distributors now just because they're getting so big. Um, but these guys, you know, they're, they're, they're lovely people and like we have close relationships with, a lot of them that we've had on the list for a while um, and you kind of have to or you basically won't get mm. the, some of the wine you won't get it because uh, like all the restaurants in Sydney just buy it all now yeah and we don't you know we're not massive so we might buy between two and four cases of some of this but if you don't we, that might be all we can get yeah like ever <laughs> yeah so you'll get two cases and we have to change it in two weeks or wow. in a week if it's gone or yeah good for the producers it's Such amazing. The, <laughs> the demand for some of these guys' wines now are um, like Anton from Lucy Margot. He's one of the real pioneers of natural wine, and um, Tom Shelbrook. And you know these guys are all pretty tight knit as well down yeah. in Adelaide. Um, but Anton's wines are um, pretty funky, I guess is, is the best way to put it. And um, he was actually like conventionally trained and went to natural style wine but but his his wines are like i i I think they're one of they're one of my faves um we've had him on for a while um but their approach is is pretty cool yeah yeah and (laughs) but his wines just go like he puts them in a bottle and they're gone wow yeah good for them that's good yeah good for them (laughs) (laughs) like it's it's interesting to see how fast that's moved eh? Like there's, yeah, agreed. I bet you half agreed. of people that come in here don't even yeah. know what it is. No, not really, yeah. not really. Um, and it's again, it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a challenge. And sometimes, yeah, you get mixed reactions, and we've just got to. If they don't like it, well, we've got to kind of, got to kind of cop it and move yeah. on. Yeah, there's you not know. much we can do. But that's education. That's what yep. education is. Yeah, you're gonna learn. You're gonna, you're gonna have hits and misses. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's talk about seafood quickly well actually let's talk about the dishes um the yeah the raw kingfish dish do you use hiramasa yep yeah yep. always hiramasa well, can yep. you get like wild stuff yeah we get wild caught i 
So as far as consistency, I've kind of I put this in the notes for you just so you've got it. Like um, consistency in size, flavour, um, and you know the freshness. It's yeah, like for a product that we use and order every day. That's that's you know you, that's what we want. We want consistency and. Um, here in Master Def, you like delivers that. Yeah, it's mm. a bit more, a bit more expensive than the others, but um, that's good. That's good. Yeah, they're that's South right. South Australia. Yeah, um, but is there any other kingfish farmers in Australia? There's one that's just come out. Right. Out of, oh, I'd have to look it up for you. Um, we tried it. I think the fish needs a bit more time. They're a bit young still. Right. And as far as fat content, you can't beat here in Marseille. Yeah. yeah, we use some wild caught stuff sometimes. Just depends what what corn our fisher can yeah. get. He just lets us know what he what he can get, and he'll dry age stuff for us as well. And um, yeah, he's got a dry aging now. facility now. Eh? Yeah, yeah. It's that's crazy cool. how quickly it's, that stuff's moving as well. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It changes changes it changes yeah. the game. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, dry. It's it, for so long. Like the common conception is, fish is best as close as you can eat it to when it was in the water. Yep. it's yep. going to be the best. Yeah, but yeah, it's which cool is to see yeah, it it's yeah. I mean, controlled environment. You'd be so surprised. You, we use dry aged uh, wild caught Mulloway and uh, Pacific Reef Cobia at the moment, and um, ten days I'll get sent a whole fish that's been in dry aged room for ten days, and you cut it open, and the bloodline is. Just as you know, all those all those things you look for in a fresh fish are just still there. Really, it's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's just it's crazy. Yeah. You wouldn't even know, like except for the smell and the sweetness. Like it does, it changes the fish. Obviously, that's yeah. why they do it. Um, but they're super tasty. Yeah. Just got to know how to apply it. I guess they're all yeah different applications. It's but. funny. It's funny to think that just I don't know, just in the industry in general, how long preparation like preparation preparation methods of whatever it might be fish or whatever has been around for and only within the last couple of years we're discovering this whole new world of not just dry aging fish but using offals and ways of preparing yep. you know new new and different fish that have generally been considered bycatch or something for the stock pot or whatever yep. before yep. and like i mean blue mackerel is an obvious example of just like something that people would just throw away like five years ago yeah. to now something you see on the menu at the best restaurants in Australia. It's, it's, it's weird how there's so much history of consumption of these products, but we're still learning so much. Yeah, that's and again, I, like, I think it comes back to necessity as well. Like a lot of the people just, you know, ate what they could catch or whatever, um, especially in some countries that's exactly what happens now because mm. that's what they've got to eat. But... Um, I think we've got our noses in the air a little bit sometimes in in places like Australia and oh, you know the states and where we can just we have access to whatever we salmon or barramundi or and that's you know I'm, I, that's my favourite fish I won't eat anything else it's mm. like maybe if you tried it but these things need to be cooked properly as well of um, course yeah yeah and but you're you're absolutely right yeah there's and there's so many like there's so much out there exactly yeah and yeah. it's also tasty if you. If it's looked after from when it's caught to, to getting to us or to the consumer and then it's again treated with kind of the respect that it needs, it, yeah. it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Mm. I think even like something like sea urchin, it's obviously it's been a product that's been used for a long time, but it's only it's relatively recently that Australian restaurants have been embracing it as a yep. like a, as a product. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We we use it. Yeah. We we do a butter with it for the scallops. Um or I mean eat it raw. It's yeah, yeah. it's absolutely delicious. Yeah. yeah. Um to- talking about some of those other species of fish. I was reading your menu and your sashimi it just says whatever's good yeah like whatever we can get is it yeah. a bit of a process of education as well of teaching people that sashimi isn't always just tuna salmon and kingfish we generally use those staples yeah um obviously the tuna is wild caught so that comes from wherever it's best and then the other two are um, aquaculture products which we get consistently but then i mean we've had coral trout on the mm. on the sash plate which is like this amazing translucent flat like the yeah. flesh it's yeah um but yes yeah, it really is yeah just and people with the sashimi if people 
you know, eat. We don't get many people in here that don't really eat sashimi. Yeah. Um, but the one, yeah, so generally everyone is open to whatever we put That's on That's awesome. Plate. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't finish talking about the kingfish. <laughs> The, the dish. Yep. Oh, the dish, yeah, sorry. God, I, got, I get so sidetracked. Oh, me too. We have just started talking about Hiramasa and then other sashimi and whatever. But, yeah, what have, what have you got on there? Um, so, the dish is um, Hiramasa kingfish sashimi, burnt blood orange, um, and it's a nasturtium vinaigrette, I guess. It's a nasturtium dressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's super simple. Um, well, it's... Oh, like one of the dishes here, it's super simple, and, yep. and it is something you can probably produce at home. You just need to get nasturtiums, but a lot of people have them. They're in the easy garden. to get. Yeah, They're everywhere they, they are. Yeah, yeah. As long as people know what they are, we'll write them in a chef's note. We'll be like, just find them They're that's everywhere. What, that's what I said. I yeah. guarantee you, there's some on your block. Yep, yeah. If you live in or in your mate's yard, <laughs> yeah. or yeah, yeah. Um, we just we get the like the whole. Plant. I, I, there's a place in my place it's just they're everywhere yeah. so we'll grab like just rip them out like roots flowers leaves everything um, and we juice it oh yeah and they get this amazing um, peppery when you're juicing they're really full on yeah I'm sure um, they're really the roots it is that, but, so you, you know you get that nice green from the leaves and then get this beautiful earthiness and um, peppery sort of flavour from the roots yeah uh, so we just juice it all Sweet. Put the flowers in, whatever, it doesn't really matter. I'd use the flowers for garnish too if you wanted on the dish. Um, so we just juice it all and um, let it like a bit, of, a bit of oxygen for 10 minutes so it calms the pepperiness down. And then, yeah, we make the dressing from there. It's just a balance of like yuzu, soy, and rice wine vinegar. Um, and that's, just, that's the dressing for the dish. So it's kingfish, blood orange, nasturtium vinaigrette, and then the little bronze fennel tips yep. that we get from Export Fresh. Just to finish it off, cool. we actually use, I haven't put in the recipe because it's a bit difficult, the boshi powder. Mm-hmm. So we ferment um, Davidson's plum um, in like a salt mixture for two weeks. And then we turn that into a puree for another dish. And then we keep the pulp and we dehydrate it. Uh, we steam it and then dehydrate it for about six hours. And then we turn that into a powder. Mm-hmm. So it's like this bright pink. Wow sherbety like salty sour yeah, yeah, yeah. powder that adds another sort of element to the dish yeah so you're doing like a that's like an, an australian version of like japanese umeboshi yeah, it, yeah. it's exactly that it's cool. native plum boshi yeah. yeah yeah so we've got the puree on one dish and then we use the um powder for oh, i've used it for a few things we've got heaps of it, that's so. cool it's these little you know those little byproducts that one of the chefs might be like, why are we throwing this out? Yeah. Let's dry it or blitz it and dry it or, you know, like... There's a lot of opportunity out there for those sorts of things. Those little, 100%. like, leftover granules of something or... Exactly. Pulps of yep. whatever. And but it's, you know, we're lucky we've got people to sort of think, oh, well, I can do this with this or... And then, you know, so we end up with all the... This pantry of things that we can make our dishes better with. It's cool because it's... It also means that... What you're doing is is like unique unique in the sense that it's not something that you've read about or heard about or or you know it's not a product that you can just buy and cook it's it's just completely unique because it's like well we're making we've decided to make this and then we're making a completely different thing out of a byproduct of one of our other dishes. It's, it's like it's just it just cool. means it doesn't exist yeah. anywhere else. Like yeah, sort exactly. Of thing. Like, and, that, <laughs> and that's back to how the menu, the food, and the restaurant, and any good restaurant develops. You you get these all these little things in your arsenal that you can pull out for you might taste and you'd be trying a new dish and you're like, hang on, we can use that boshi powder yeah. to really give this a bit of a salty sour hit. We use that on a, on a dessert. We've used it on a dessert before. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, the lamb dish. Uh, so the lamb dish is definitely a, like our simplest meat dish, um, which is the whole idea with it. So we get our meat, our lamb dry-aged at Vicks. Yeah. For, they just do it for a week for us. Do you us. know where it comes from? Cara. Cara. Okay. Lot, so much good lamb comes out of Cara. Yeah. Like, it, it, we're so lucky in Australia with our lamb. Yeah. Very but, lucky. Have you, have you used that Flinders Island stuff yeah I've, yeah I've tried majority of like the you know the saltbush lamb and all the that like they're, they're, they're all I thought they do they do saltbush and cow they do oh, I'm not sure I'm not sure about cow um, you'd probably know a bit more about it than I would <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so cow lamb dredged for um, a week 
cap, rump, sorry, yeah. uh, cap on rump. Yeah. Um, so they do them, just do them whole for us and then break the rump in half and send it to us in sort of two pieces with the fat cap on. Um, and then we basically just trim it up. Um, we sous vide ours just purely for ease of service. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, obviously it's cooked to 55 degree, medium rare through and through. And yeah, and then we just sear, baste and rest and serve. Um, so the lamb served with the Jerusalem artichoke puree, Jerusalem artichoke chips. We've got a mushroom powder on there and a um, fermented cabbage puree and salt bush, which goes really well with lamb. Yeah. Um, so the cabbage, the Jerusalem artichoke puree is really simple. And then the cabbage we ferment for two weeks and then we do like as I said the puree we do like back bag with all the ingredients in there and then um, we sous vide it and it keeps that that really yeah. bright color because you're not sort of like you're oxidizing it and yeah um, and then we just hit it with a bit of xanthan gum to make it like give it that texture as well yeah. so yeah and the salt bush is just sauteed um, the mushroom powder is um, just gives it a little umami hit on the plate, which is like the mushy powder, we use king oyster mushrooms, mm -hmm. and we just shave them really thin on the mandolin, dehydrate them for six hours, and then we, with the powder, we leave them, use the mushies a couple of different ways on the menu, but the powder we do in the oven on pilot overnight as well to really dry right. them out, and then we fry them, and like, you know, a little coffee grinder um, for the powder, yeah. and then we've got this, you've got this Beautiful. Do you think dehydrating mushrooms increases their umami? Like a couple of things kind of does. Yeah. yeah. Like we ferment shiitakes on that the dish we'll get to that, but um that other dish I sent yeah. out. But like that is like salt brine and back um shiitake mushrooms and you cut it open and it is we use the water from them for another dish. Yeah, like right. it's delicious. Yeah. yeah. It definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting because when I think of a, like a king oyster mushroom, fresh, so different, just oh, 100%. nine day apart. Yeah. yeah, and then when you fry them, obviously that, like, you know, that gives them that nice, um, oh, it just gives them a different flavour completely. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's, um, that's pretty much, I think, the whole, whole lamb dish. Yeah, cool. And then, yeah, Let's talk about the oh, mushroom it's one. got a bit of leek ash on there as well, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the mushy, mushy dish, that's actually been on the menu for... Probably the better part of a year, but it's changed and changed and changed, and it's um, it's really pretty. It's a really nice vegetarian option that a lot of work goes into. Um, so it's two purees on the bottom. So we've got a cauliflower puree, and uh, sorry, the description is basically um, raw cooked and fermented mushrooms with cauliflower, black garlic, and baby leaves. Um, so it's got two purees, shiitake puree and um, cauliflower puree and then we've got roasted uh, sort of confit shiitake mushrooms we do them in the same oil mm -hmm. been using so you got this beautiful sort of umami oil that we use as well so you've got shiitake mushrooms roasted cauliflower and then we use the korean black garlic a few dots of that we've got the king oyster mushrooms not the powder but the fried ones that we do mm -hmm. in pieces so we dehydrate them and fry them uh, then we've got some raw shiitake mushrooms on there and the fermented shiitake mushrooms that I spoke about are just done in a 5% um, salt brine uh, vacked and we ferment them two day, two to three days is good they get pretty intense after that mm. but um, you can reserve, like we keep the brine as I said and use that for something else um, they're just sliced so you've got raw and fermented mushrooms on there and then we have about four different leaves that we use um, that kind of change with what we can get. Um, we finish it with uh, gumashere, which is a like a Japanese sesame salt, sesame seeds and salt, and mm -hmm. nice seasoning for it. Uh, and then again, we use a little bit of that mushroom powder on top. So it's basically mushrooms a bunch of different ways. Oh, and we actually dehydrate some cauliflower and then fry that, and little crispy bits of cauliflower on top. So it's Sorry, there's also three grains on there. <laughs> so we puff uh, freca, farro, and buckwheat. Um, so you cook the buckwheat first and dehydrate that and then puff it. Yeah. Um, and like they just give it this beautiful, it's like, you know, the wheat, like it's a real fieldy sort of, yeah. Yeah, it's like a porridge sort of like, 
yeah. but crunchy, and they're nice and crunchy as well once they're puffed. So um, you've got this incredibly textural. Incredibly textural. Yeah. Like even just yeah. looking at it, it just yep. looks incredibly And it's textural. just got layers and layers and layers. Um, and then people, you know, sort of start getting into the dish and realise how many things. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, so much goes into one plate at yeah. a restaurant that people, you know, don't really know until I guess they start eating it. And if they appreciate it, they realise why, they, why they're paying it, for it. It's <laughs> funny because you put, like, you talk about all those processes that go into that one dish. And at the end of the day, it might just be someone going, oh, wow, yum. That, never had something like that before. Yeah. And that might be it, but yeah. that's, that's what you do it for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are, yeah, there are people that really get what's gone into yeah. it. You, know, you might come in and be like, this is, this is crazy. That yeah. was really cool. Thank you. But exactly. People are like, oh, that, that was good. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it is what it is. Yeah, but like you say, you know, it's. But even just that, even that reaction that I just did an impression of, it's like that's enough to bring someone back or to to keep to broaden their mind a little bit into maybe some of the other dishes that you got on the menu or you know when they go out to a different place next or whatever it might be. Like say, even some people would probably look at the word fermented on a menu and 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 still sort of like recoil a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Like you you sort of take it for granted a little bit when you know about all these things and how, how they work and how it yep. translates the flavour. Yeah. But um, something fermented. No. Like, I'm, I'm teaching people at home what kimchi is. Yeah. Fermented cabbage. Yeah, you know? people can't get... <laughs> again, it comes back to this, the necessity bit, doesn't it? And mm. people don't... Like, it's just not done as much anymore, so people don't realise. Like, it completely changes the flavour and it's quite good for you as mm. well, you know. It's really good for you. Yeah. It's cool to see it having this sort of... Like, I guess it's crossed over a little bit into that wellness space. So it's not just something chefs do. True. Which yeah, is kind of yeah. cool. Like, yeah, it makes it a bit more Yeah, it gets a bit more approachable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Approachable and accessible, I guess, for people, which is good. Yeah. Mm. Happy days. Let's talk about just food culture in Wollongong. You seem... This is the type of place that I reckon heaps of hospitality workers would Def- like, like yeah. coming. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> yep. yep. they get it. Yeah, we get, we get especially when we opened, all the uh, restaurant owners, because we were open on Monday night, so we get all the, uh, owner, the, all the owners coming yeah, in right. from other restaurants, and obviously because they wanted to try it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we do get a lot of the hospo crew in, I guess, when, they can, when they've got time. Do you find, there's a, is there a good sort of community of hospo crew in Wollongong? Yeah, definitely. I think it's getting better. It's a little bit hard because it is a small town, so everyone's directly in competition rather than there being you know a lot of people yeah okay. um sort of to to eat at every venue um and i think like all the chefs are, are pretty great and know, know one another we're, we're pretty good you know with um with everyone a lot of our close friends like eric and maddie own the throsby they're mm-hmm. like really good friends of jen and mine and um Tom and Simon at Caval, I've known those boys for a while as well. Mm. And Dan at Rookie, you know, mm. everybody knows everyone. Yeah. And it, it is it is pretty good um, generally. I think there's always going to be, you know, a few problems here and there. Yeah. I think staff, you know, staff going to different places, sometimes people... That always happens, though. Exactly. Know, there's like, there's nothing you can do about it. Exactly. And, then, you know, they've got a... Um, Staff have to come from. They're probably going to have worked somewhere, you know, before that. But everyone's generally pretty good, in my experience. Yeah. Do you reckon? I was talking to Aaron up at Bill and James about this yesterday. Like, Wollongong slash the Illawarras had a bit of. It's never sort of branded itself as a place that you can go to and get good food and hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. Seems to be changing. Like, do you think that, you know, as you talk about like a community of chefs and and operators and stuff here grows and you know the, the customers that you serve talking about the ones that that are now sort of no one no one like everyone's keen to eat coral trout sashimi or people yep. are educated yep. about food and stuff yep. like do you see it sort of developing <laughs> starting to yeah. I think there's still a perception like in Sydney um, like I've heard I listen to a couple of other podcasts and there is some negativity towards 
anywhere outside of Sydney really that restaurants <laughs> can't possibly be as good. Yeah. As, and, I, and I've heard um, one of the people that does the SMH sort of reviews say, oh, I hate being the one lumped with regional reviews because I get it. They must, I think it's better now. I think they're a bit more selective with the places they do go to review. Yeah. But um, I think they used to have to cop. They have to go to all these places, and maybe some of them weren't, weren't so good. Yeah. Um, but I think it would help if they, you know, people like that that are in the best restaurants in city and that and have got a voice were a bit more sort of positive about areas outside of Sydney. Yeah. Because unless they've been too babyfaced or you know too Cavell or too Biota, I mean Biota is probably an exception because James is pretty famous and mm. they've got two hats and. Um, pretty well known but there, you know there are restaurants outside of Sydney and Melbourne that are actually awesome. pretty good yeah. and trying to do you know really cool things and, and if you know these guys I just I think if we had a bit more press and like what you're doing like is or what you guys are doing is pretty important for places you know outside of Sydney we yeah, could well, and it's, yeah, I think in Sydney it's so, it's, it's so it's very clicky like everyone knows each other yeah. and like the reviewers are mates with all the restaurants yep. that they eat at. Like, they get on the piss together and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And when you go to a regional area, you can't just look at all the Sydney Morning Herald reviews of cafes, restaurants, and bars and go, these are the good places. Like, you have to research and you have to find yep. it out and you have to yep. talk to people like you or even for me figuring out, you know, the, we have to whittle down to 30 contributors to the book. Yep. And... I have to start with talking to people like Tom and Simon and people that work at the venues to find yep. which which are the really good places. And it takes a bit of work to to figure it out. But if you're a if you're a Sydney person, Sydney reviewer who's best mates with all the Sydney restaurant restaurateurs and chefs and stuff, and they go go to Wollongong and do a review, like yep. yeah, they might go, oh yeah, okay, we'll go to Cavo because it's got a hat, yep. and then like. There's, there's not much there's, there's not that many resources out there to be able to figure it out but yeah. if you come here and spend a week here and eat eat it everywhere that's going to be in the book or whatever then yeah. you get an idea of what's happening and yeah maybe your attitudes change a little bit and I find that in all sorts of like we work in the south coast in the southern highlands and in Canberra yep. and every place has got its like has got this awesome core of fantastic hospitality professionals that make the food scene what it is in that area yep. and it's awesome like and you know food can stand up to you know, it can't stand up to three-hatted restaurants in Sydney, but like, yeah, yeah. you know, there's people doing really, really cool stuff. Yeah, so, that, yeah. yeah, that are putting just as much into their week as, as these guys are. I mean, it, it does. I get the other side of it. You know, there, there aren't obviously as many. It's not like Wollongong's, like like Sydney or like Melbourne, like it's at the forefront. Yeah, of course. Australian it's dining. Going to be. Um, no, the, the population's smaller. And, exactly. But like, I like to think that. Um, we're getting there I think it'd be good if I don't know like you mentioned it's it's never really been sold as a place like that I mean we do we have such a beautiful coastline mm. and the escarpment right well, there the like, Illawarra goes from the Royal National Park to Jerengon yeah it's it's big it's, there's a yeah. lot of space yeah. and yeah. there's some you know beautiful places amazing places yeah 100% and I think yeah. also like there's an opportunity to embrace the sort of gritty, the gritty aspect of the Illawarra, like the fact that there's a steelworks yep. there and yep. our mining history and the multiculturalism that's a product of that. Yep. You know, which is which is such a massive part exactly of, of what you know what is in Wollongong exactly. as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's 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 such an opportunity to embrace all of that stuff and make it cool and not just be seen as ah oh, it's Wollongong like yep. it's, it's all working class and it's all mm. you know whatever. Like I don't know how people view this place, but. I think you're right. No, I think you're right. And I do think we could definitely do with, you know, two or three more places that we're yeah. trying, to, trying to push the envelope a little bit and then it might become the normal. But, I, yeah. you know, that's how it works, isn't it? I think I was talking to someone else about it and I th what would be cool would be to be able to bring everywhere from the Royal National Park to Gerringong into sort of collaboration in a sense because... But it was a lady down from the schoolhouse. Do you know Kirsten from the schoolhouse down in Jerengong? She makes no, cheese. No, I don't. No. And tea, anyway. Um, she was saying like a lot of the hard part of it is because it's divided in, into different councils. Yeah. So there is no connection between yeah, us and okay. Kayama and Shell Harbour and like all the other places. So, As a whole sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah, that might help. I don't know. 
Who knows? We're doing a little. Um, we've got a like a wine day here in two weeks with um, Callum from Imbibo um, and Tom from Lo-Fi, and they're a couple of like they've got some amazing labels um, on their portfolios. Um, Imbibo is one of the one of the like they're they're pretty massive. Yeah. Um, so lo-fi now actually but um so what we're we're gonna like we're inviting you know all the restaurants from here to the southern highlands to to come here Mm. owners chefs whatever for for a bit of a trade day with these guys i think more things like that Mm. like i've never been to anything like in the illawarra like that where it's at someone's restaurant and you know you're all together sort of thing yeah it's it's even just have 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 drinks with other restaurateurs in your region is such a beneficial way of just developing connections and stuff course, and sharing yeah. knowledge and information <laughs> yeah yeah there's opportunities out there for sure um yeah. cool leave it there yeah sweet thanks Sounds good no, thank you <laughs> thanks for listening to my chat with andy burns from babyface kitchen in wollongong i hope you learned something If you want to find out more about Babyface, you can visit their website, babyfacekitchen.com.au. If you want to find more about us, you can check out our website, quicksandfood.com.au, or find us at quicksandfood on social media. Also, get out and buy the book. The Illawarra Cookbook is available online and at all good bookstores in the Illawarra. You can check out some of our retailers on our website too. Go get it. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.